0: If you're a middle aged bloke, or if you've got a middle aged bloke in your life, you might have to get him to read this book. Out of the Blue is about a pretty down to earth man of the land, a family man, resourceful, smart, used to fixing things. He very nearly wrecked his entire life by ignoring the symptoms of what turned out to be a very serious condition. But he's a good bloke, and Ryle Wynn wants to share what happened to him, and maybe you'll do better if it ever happens to you. Ryle, good morning. What was it that was happening to you? Those symptoms that you kept ignoring.
1: Well, it sort of started started off in a, you know, some years earlier, and I didn't realise we were on a, we were cattle people. we were on an island off the coast of Queensland, uh, wild country and wild cattle and brumbies and all that sort of thing. We used to swim our cattle on you know on and off the island, with sharks and crocs and that. But it was there that I got the first uh, inkling of something might be wrong. I nearly came off my horse one day. And I thought, oh, goodness, you know, uh, unusual, dizzy. Anyway, nothing happened. Then we were on to uh, another property on the mainland. And uh, that property, I'd spent from the time I was 16 to the time I was 46 trying to t- earn that place. I started with nothing. By the time I was 46, I was able to buy a small property, 3,000 acres. Now, we'd just taken up taken occupation there, and these symptoms became very severe over a period you know and uh, i didn't want to even admit it i, I thought i can't do this I, I i've just got this place i've worked my guts out for it and then uh, i couldn't get on my horse So i went and bought a team of working dogs and ran it with the with the dogs and did then, you
0: tell your wife that you were having these dizzy spells
1: oh yeah i kept a lot of a lot of it from her yeah um as things progressed uh epilepsy set in minor, minor epilepsy petty mal sort of stuff and uh then I couldn't ignore it, and uh, actually, it was that epilepsy which saved my life. Um, it led to a malignant brain tumour. After uh, after so much denial, uh, there it was. I went in to uh, to have a CT scan one oh, morning. By midday, we had the result: uh, malignant brain tumour on the left hand side of my head. Now, that was then. Four days later, I was in hospital with a craniotomy.
0: Let's talk about uh, before we get too far down this path, because it's a really interesting story, Ryle. And I very much admire the fact that you you've uh, written a book like this because you you expose your own vulnerability and your own shortcomings as a tough bloke to whom stuff like this doesn't happen. Now, now the kind of symptoms you had would have sent other people running to the doctor. <laughs> and that where you live the doctor's a friend of yours he's one of your great mates you almost had no excuse to stay away from the gp oh, so well. so why did you hold back do you think <laughs> oh,
1: look i didn't think it was that serious i used to get a crook neck for a start we were broadacre farming there for the first time in my life into bigger bigger stuff and uh, i thought oh this is just new I'm a bloody crook neck that can't be much and then a bit dizzy and i thought oh same thing you know might be just a bit of crook neck and, um,
0: yeah we never link these things up do we no
1: but there's one after another it, it, when I did realise it, it was denial then and uh, then it just deteriorated and I couldn't disguise it further um, if that's the right word and then this onset of this epilepsy well that's that's the one that sent me
0: yeah how did you break it to your family
1: yeah what the uh, the, the, the symptoms or the uh, no
0: the fact the fact that you actually had a tumour
1: oh uh, yeah, well look, honestly, it was awful. Um, we'd had um, my daughter's 20, our daughter's 21st, a week early so we could go off to the Country Music Festival down at Tamworth. Yeah. Uh, now, so we're a week early for her <laughs> birthday. We had a wonderful time. A week later down there, I've, my health fell in a real, real mess. And so uh, I didn't have to break it to them <laughs> as such. Um yeah. It was very obvious what, was, what had to happen. I, Straight back to Brisbane and by that time I'd recovered a bit and I thought oh I'll just go to the physio. Yes. Um, and he said look you've had that scan it says clear and I said what scan? He said the CT and I said I didn't have one of them I had another uh, x-ray in my neck I thought that there was some blood flow interruption in the carotid artery. Yeah. And he said well for god's sake he said I if I'd have known that he said I thought you had that CT he said I wouldn't have been treating you and he, he got straight on the phone the bugger and rang my doctor I didn't know why what he was doing he's around the bloody room. Yes. Anyway, uh, they'd caught up with me and uh, (laughs) they had me cornered.
0: (laughs) Ra Wen is the author of Out of the Blue, one man's story about, uh, well about dealing with the kind of issues that that blokes traditionally aren't very good at dealing and that's acting quickly when something goes wrong. What were you like as a patient initially?
1: Well, my doctor David said I was the most difficult fellow.
0: Were you angry? Were you belligerent?
1: Oh uh, Yeah, look, a whole range of things. One minute um, anger, then it was acceptance, then I was bloody thinking, oh, I've got too much to do. It was all sorts of stuff. There was a whole range of emotions uh, culminating in all sorts of things as time
0: went on. But Yeah, uh, I mean, it's very interesting that you, you know, but then you entered the hospital system and I, I bet you never imagined you'd be the one weeping at the hospital entrance.
1: No, for an hour and a half I stood there thinking oh, if, I, if I go in here I might never come out. It was sunny then that it was starting to hit home. Uh, so there I was making a bloody big fool of myself but uh, oblivious to uh, those going past. I suppose they were all there too for you know, for medical reasons or to visit people with uh, those sort of conditions so they might not have taken that much notice. But my wife just stood quietly beside me, a stoic little wonderful little woman she is, and uh, finally I got in there, and uh, I couldn't get a seat for a start, although I had a seizure, so I bloody soon got a seat. <laughs> they put me on a stretcher and got me out of the way pretty quickly. They probably thought, geez, I don't want this fellow overhead in the overhead in the uh, casualty here. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that was it.
0: You, you, uh, we only have to listen to you to 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 get a fair idea of what kind of a fellow you might might be, and I just imagine what you were like on the ward, that you could have... You could have had a, um, you could have had the option of just being completely depressed, but there was probably a point where you and other patients became pretty raucous. That you started forming relationships with nursing staff who are who've heard it all before and seen it all before. Is that what it was like? Well,
1: yeah, and there's a reason for that. Um, we we're covered by private health insurance, and uh, but because the Royal Brisbane Hospital is so well equipped. They put us in there. put me in there, uh, being a public hospital, and it was a vascular ward. It's the only place they could get us in there. And those fellas in there getting their legs chopped off, and God knows what else, for, you know, circulation problems. And so there I was with eight other blokes, and what a bloody bunch of larricans, you know, old drovers and the like. Ernie McCarthy, one of the territory's best-known old drovers, and oh, uh, and the, some of the yarns they told. Some, of the, you know, he told me a yarn about <laughs> we used to run a few brumbies ourselves, and uh, he would tell me how he caught brumbies up in the territory. He said, he used to use mushy peas. <laughs> and he had us in. He said, well, how? And he said, oh, they, the horses love them. And i was think, well, how the hell would you get a Brumby like that? And he said, well, they, if you put some, some of the, the dried peas underneath the mushy ones, he said, they get through the mushy ones. And he said, they didn't mind the dry ones either. He said, so they'd be standing there cracking these dry ones in their teeth. He said, and they'd have their heads on the side and their eyes shut. And he said, and they're cracking these things. He said, that's when we'd run out and put a bridle on. <laughs> but nonsense like that. And these nurses would come in, they'd hear this nonsense, and they'd tell us some of the best yarns I've ever
0: heard. All, all of which kept you calm, distracted you, perhaps stopped you getting to a point of such anxiety that, that the prospect of your future life or, or not would have been a bit overwhelming?
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Because um, think... he wrote letters. I mean, you wrote letters to... Your immediate family, didn't you?
1: Well, the 4 o'clock the next morning, I thought, Jesus, this is serious. Uh, I did. I woke at 4 o'clock and I thought, oh, well, here we go. And I, I thought, well, I haven't said anything to the family and they were, to due, they were due in within a couple of hours. And I thought, well, I'd better write a bit of stuff down. And I got started and I was there for a couple of hours. I wrote to my eldest son thinking that he might be the the linchpin of the family. And then my daughter, who, uh, you know, she was a well-qualified accountant with Stanbroke Pastoral Company, you might have heard of. And I wrote to her, then, uh, then my younger son, I thought, well, I said to him, you know, have a good yarn to your brother, it's all there. And then I came down to my wife and I thought, what am I going to say to her? I just said, I love you, and signed off it's three
0: lines. Was and she worried, um, I mean, I, this is before your surgery, of course, but was your wife worried that you might contemplate even doing a runner?
1: Yes, and I did, but I thought, no, the doctors had have already called me a survivor personality and it didn't sort of fit the bill so uh, I decided no if I had to go it'd be after the fight not before but uh, yes it did it, uh, it crossed my mind certainly actually my doctor followed me up on the day of that diagnosed followed me home and uh, he, you know making sure he said you know get your affairs in order as they do which scares the Christ out of you but um, he told me told my wife later that uh, he really came up to make sure I didn't let me go and blow my head off Yeah. But uh, like suicide and that sort of thing, it's dreadful and depression. I came through all that too. But uh, uh, I think a lot of rural fellows—they contemplate it, well, not so much contemplate it. Some do, and they know how, and they know how to do it fast. And I yeah. do too, you know. Uh, not hard. You've uh, been around a lot of cattle for a long while. But anyway, that's that's a pretty that's a down part of it. There wasn't
0: much of that. No, we're talking to. You're listening to Raul Wynne, the author of Out of the Blue, telling the story of dealing with, he thought, with what he thought was his own mortality. Let's take the story ahead to the most obvious part, of course, Raul. You've had your operation. You are alive. Um, but it wasn't plain sailing for you. Um, were you a model patient as time went on and as you learnt more and, and, and you had your life again? How do you assess your time as a patient?
1: Uh, I don't know about a model patient, I, Acceptance came creeping, I suppose. Uh, at the outset, when I came out of hospital, I was, I was scared of dying, I was scared of living, and I became quite dependent on, on Karen and my family. Um, model patient.
0: Tell me about being scared of living.
1: Uh, just lack of confidence, gone. Not game to go anywhere. I had no driver's license. I'd taken my driver's license off me the heavy heavy vehicle license for good. Uh, not game to go places, depression, I guess just there was a it was a roller coaster up and down to euphoria at times um, scared, scared, and then oh God knows, it was too complex.
0: yeah, and all these years later, and, and we are talking a fair few years now you now write, you now tell stories, you're, you're a really good, I can tell you're a very good raconteur but how do you think you've changed down the years? What's different about the raw win of 2009 compared to the 1995 version?
1: Well I'm not a tearaway <laughs> anymore <laughs> we're a, a, we're, I'm an adventurous sort of soul, we were all over the place and I used to get bored with the main da- mundane, you know I was up north cane cutting and we were brumby running in all around the west coast of Australia, everywhere it was such an adventure, still is. But that was then, uh, I became the the calm person, the uh, reflective, I suppose. From what I was to what I am, uh, long, the poles apart. uh,
0: Do you miss the old version or are you pretty happy with the new one?
1: I love what I'm doing now. I love what I was doing then too. I I love what I do now. What happened... And they tell me, this is my neurosurgeon, my neuro neurologist, was telling me this. Not long ago, whenever I had a book, written a book, and there was about 13 of them so far, uh, some that have been published and neither they should be. <laughs> but he, he's been, they should, they're in the bottom row, they should be in the bloody bin. But uh, he's been watching my progress and thinking and saying over the latter years, look, this is unusual, you're going so fast, you're... Uh, you're getting quite good at this. In fact, last year I had a bestseller. He's saying what they are thinking and have been thinking for a while is that the, since the damage is on the left-hand side of the head, the right-hand side, the creative side, is kicking in yep. to pick up uh, what the broken strands, I suppose you'd say, mend them. Yes. Uh, what happens in, in your brain there is um, these bloody signals come through. They try to... This is. You know this is fair Deham stuff. I've just been reading about it. Yeah. they try to go past the uh, or through the site or where the site used to be of the uh the crater you know where the excision was and they they slam into it and that becomes epilepsy
0: yes. uh,
1: they try to root around it and they do in little weak signals and in time those signals become uh, stronger and then if you have a seizure or something they you know it knocks them out of it, but they finally become stronger and stronger and this is the the creative thing that they're talking about—I I don't know—it's really, you know, I'm not really onto it. But uh, <laughs> it's neuroplasticity; it's a brain reinventing. This is pretty, this is yeah. ground groundbreaking stuff at the moment, I can tell you. But, hey, you know, it it, it sent me I'm photo- you know, photography and sculpture and that sort of thing. Now, this is the new—the new direction.
0: Ryle, what advice would you give to blokes who fear nothing other than going to a GP?
1: get there fast <laughs> don't dodge your gp if there's something wrong attend to it fast having said that the tumor in my head uh, was a good size to operate on now that's the only thing i can console myself with yeah but um forget these symptoms fellas haven't attended to depression's another one be scared of that be scared of depression i'm on antidepressants probably will be uh, that's the killer, that
0: one. Yeah, but it's okay to be on antidepressants, isn't it?
1: Well, they're not happy pills. They just make you feel normal. Um, there's two types, I think. There's one's a of, of physical um, imbalance, and this is the one that they correct, and this is the one that helps you. It doesn't make you feel, you know, euphoric. It Giddy helps you silly. Yeah. What's, what's in front of you. It's. Uh, I can't stress strongly enough to get that scene to you. That's scary, that one.
0: You're a very interesting man, Ryle. You probably were before too, but uh, it's been a great pleasure talking to you today.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity,
0: right? Ryle Wynn is the author of Out of the Blue, an Australian story of courage and survival.